0: As we meditate together on this sacred day, this Good Friday, I would ask you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to Matthew chapter 27. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can just listen as I read Matthew 27. We will be looking at, focusing on, verses 45 and 46. Matthew 27, verses 45 and And 46, but let me read verses 45 through 50 to give us the entire context. It says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli. Lama that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Our first point tonight is the forsaken Christ. In a three hour period of time, Jesus was thoroughly punished for all of our sins and completely satisfied the justice of our holy God. Guys, I'm going to have you darken that back there if you would. Thank you. Appreciate it. Three hours of darkness. Back in the summer of 2013, I preached an entire sermon on the three hours of darkness. I believe. That our salvation was thoroughly accomplished in that three hour period of time. It was during that three hour period of time that Christ took upon himself all the sins of all the generations and was thoroughly punished and the wrath of God was poured out upon him. And he accomplished our salvation. Because at the end of those three hours, so significant here. At the end of those three hours, he says, it is finished. What is finished? Our salvation. Our salvation. In verse 45, it says now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. From noon until three o'clock, a supernatural darkness came over all the land. It was during those three hours that Christ was being made sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It was during those three hours that Christ was being made a curse, Galatians 3.13. It was during those three hours that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, even as Davy read earlier, Isaiah 53.5. William Hendrickson was, in the generation past, for a number of years, the professor of New Testament studies at Calvin Theological Seminary, and the author of many respected commentaries that are still widely in print today. He has a great quote, a great quote on those three hours of darkness. This is what he writes. The darkness meant judgment, the judgment of God upon our sins, his wrath, as it were, burning itself out in the very heart of Jesus, so that he, as our substitute, suffered most intense agony, indescribable woe, Terrible isolation or forsakenness. Hell came to Calvary that day, and the Savior descended into it and bore its horrors in our stead. I want that to sink deeply into our souls tonight. Hell came to Calvary that day, and the Savior descended into it. And that brings us to where I really want to focus our attention tonight. And that is that incredible statement, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 46, in about the ninth hour, notice Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Although it is beyond human understanding, during this period of time, God the Father turned his back on God the Son. God the Father turned his back on God the Son. F.F. Bruce wrote a book a number of years ago called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And in that book, he looks at 70 hard sayings of our Savior that he delves into. But when he comes to this one, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? F.F. Bruce says this, This is the hardest of all the hard statements. This is the hardest of all the hard statements. Not hard to translate. It's actually quite easy to translate. In English versions, there is uniformed agreement on what the Greek means here. It is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Easy to translate, but very difficult. Even mysterious to understand what does that mean? What does it mean for God to do that to his son? The story is told of the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther, that when he came to this passage of scripture, that he stared at it for hours. He said nothing, wrote nothing, but silently pondered it for hours until he suddenly stood up and exclaimed, God forsaken by God, how can it be? God forsaken by God, how can it be? That God the Father co-equal with God the Son, how can it be? that one would turn his back on the other. When we come to a passage like this, we are like Moses at the burning bush. We are on holy ground. No one can probe the complete depth of what it means. And yet, we must try to understand it as best as we can, as mortal men and women. We will never begin to grasp what it means until we see that Jesus was truly forsaken by God. In that black moment on the cross, God the Father did indeed turn His back on God the Son. The word forsaken here is very strong, a very strong word. It means to abandon, to desert, to disown, to, dur- to turn away from, to utterly forsake. Folks, I want you to understand, Jesus didn't just feel forsaken. He was forsaken. He didn't just feel like, oh, he's forsaken me. No, he was indeed forsaken. We think of that famous statement in Habakkuk chapter 1, where it says of the Lord that he is of two pure eyes to look upon sin. The father turned away, turned away in complete disgust at the ugliness of sin. Oh, he loved the son. He loved the son all through it. But because of the sin that had been placed upon the son, God, the father in his holiness had to turn away, could not look upon the ugliness of the sin that was there. Think about that with me tonight. Christ abandoned. The Trinity disjointed. The Godhead interrupted. There is no other scene like it in all of the universe, in all of Scripture. What does it mean for us tonight? Our second point is two great implications. The first great implication is this, we must never minimize the horror of human sin. Sin is nothing to joke about or laugh about. The world and culture out there may do that, but not us. Your sin and my sin run deeper than we will ever, ever understand. It was our sin that Jesus bore that day on the cross in those three hours of darkness. It was our sin. Folks, it was our sin that caused the Father to turn away from the Son. Christ became a curse for us because we are the reason he became a curse. Christ became a curse and we are the reason why. Second great implication, we must never minimize the horrible cost of our salvation. Oh, the price that Jesus paid. We sang about it tonight. Oh, the cost. Oh, the cost of our salvation. Without the cross, there would be no forgiveness. Without the cross, there would be no salvation. Without the cross, we would be lost forever. Without the cross, we would still be spiritually dead in our trespasses and sin. Without the cross, we are destined, destined to be condemned to hell forever. It cost, it cost Christ everything to redeem us. It cost him everything to make us his own. Our salvation, our salvation should be the focus of our deepest and most passionate gratitude. There ought to be this constant mindset that I am so thankful, so grateful, beyond words, beyond full description. I am so grateful for my salvation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, He was forsaken so that you will never be forsaken. He was abandoned so that you will never be abandoned. He was deserted so that you will never be deserted. And he suffered hell for you so that you will never suffer there. Every time you take the Lord's Supper tonight and in the future, it is a special opportunity designed by God Himself, a special opportunity to say, Thank you. Thank you for my salvation. What an opportunity to worship and to be grateful to God for all that he has done for us. So as we take the bread and the cup tonight, let it be a time of deep meditation, of being mindful of the depth of our sin of the great cost that Jesus paid and how thankful we ought to be. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.